0: And welcome in everybody for another edition of scouts eye on football. We're getting into a regular week. It, I know it's been, uh, a little bit, uh, off, uh, the past couple of weeks. We've, uh, been trying to accommodate, uh, folks that work behind the scenes, uh, make it a little bit easier for the holidays, uh, by kind of combining shows, but a reminder that we're here, uh, same time every Wednesday for scouts eye on football, Uh, We are going back. We have put the Landry football podcast back to back after this the past couple of weeks. We are going back to the normal schedule where we'll have the Landry football podcast tomorrow, Thursday, uh, at this same time as well. So we're getting back to a normal schedule. So much to get to today. Kind of all over the place. Um, A little bit tardy, and I apologize. It has been very hectic and busy uh, with coaching search work, um, lots going on in the NFL, not just coaching, but, but GM work and, um, and, and certainly a lot of things going on in college with assistants. So it's been a very hectic time. Obviously we, uh, want to react to the, uh, semifinals in the college playoffs. Gonna will react a little bit to, uh, well, a lot, uh, to the, uh, playoffs this week. Um, in the NFL and in what a what a great I think a fun weekend is going to be. We'll see how many of the games are really close or not, but we've got a triple-header Saturday and a triple-header Sunday. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Heisman. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the issues regarding the COVID and what I think is maybe the untold part about how that story came out. Uh, and so we're going to, we got a lot to get to. So, and I'm going to be relying on you guys to join us here in the chat room. Um, your questions, your comments, um, mainly if you got any questions you want me to address. And I, I say this all the time when I'm doing some shows with some other guys, sometimes it's a little bit tougher. <clears throat> you know, obviously, even though we're doing it on the, the Chris Landry football channel, I like having other, folks involved and, uh, don't like interrupting, try to get to your comments and questions as much as possible. But, you know, this podcast is probably the best one along with the Landry football podcast. Well, we'll try to integrate your questions into the show. Um, and, you know, react to them, um, any way that, um, deemed appropriate. So we want to do that. And, uh, again, if we don't get to them, if I don't get to them on all the shows, I apologize. It's just trying to get everything in and, and all of that, my mind's kind of racing. So, uh, we appreciate it. Hope that your, uh, 2021 is off to a good start. I know there's a lot of talks and a lot of jokes about 2020s behind us, you know, because we flipped the calendar, um, doesn't magically make 2021 better, right? It's, it's about how we handle it, how everybody handles it. Um, there are a lot more things going on, a lot more important than what I talk about, um, and work on on a daily basis. That's for darn sure. In my world of football, um, it's been a, um, a trying year and I always say, look, it's trying relative from a football standpoint when I think about the healthcare workers and people that are, you know, that are dealing with an awful lot, people that are sick, the the lives we've lost would have, and I don't, you know, numbers and all that. A lot of people have been hurt and have suffered through this and all things considered postponing games, canceling games, pretty pretty mild compared to um more important things. But what we talk about here is football. And I can tell you that in my little bubble of a football world, it's been quite trying. It has been uh easier for me than most. Uh I was thinking about this that if this was 25 years ago, or 25 years ago I was coaching and um, and working with the team, um, and that would have been more challenging, but what I'm doing now and doing a lot of coaching and scouting consulting, a a lot of it due to the modern technology. And I think probably a lot of you were, have been affected by this. You have with the technology, being able to do work away from home. It's, it's been really fascinating Uh, And to see how many people can do jobs. And I mean, you know, certainly teaching is probably not the same, and maybe the jobs are not the same. But in the world of breaking down film, the world of communicating thoughts and scouting reports, and, you know, you can do a lot of that on Zoom. And a lot of that I've been ingrained in prior to the COVID virus situation. But all things considered, you know, it's gone pretty smoothly. Um, it, it maybe less games to look at, maybe you know, not not by a whole lot. Um, but I was thinking about this: how could I have done this twenty-five years ago without the modern technology? I, I the answer is I I couldn't. Have. Um, yeah, so I didn't go out to as many practices in person. I had to look more of them on tape. Uh, not been able to sit down face to face, you know, with certain coaches, um, have some zoom meetings. You can do a lot of that, but there's still something that's a little bit missing a little bit off. But in a general sense, we've gotten through the season, we got through the season, the NFL, all the games played. Now we, unfortunately, and this was my fear are starting off on a, Unfortunate foot with Kevin Stefanski. Now, a couple of assistant coaches, couple of players not going to be available for the Browns as they take on the Steelers Sunday night. Um, you know, I, I don't know the answer to this, um, but I have said, um, you know, But you know, when you when you get into the playoffs, I felt that I I don't know, and I'm gonna use a term that really I'm not qualified or completely understand, but but almost a bubble, if not a complete bubble. You go into the playoffs, I, I'm not so sure that <clears throat> I wouldn't lock down everybody in a hotel. Of a relationship with with a hotel, and just nobody in, nobody out, and you know, you you wonder. Um, and who knows how did how did um, Kevin Stefanski get COVID? I mean, how does anybody get it? I mean, I know you get it, but this is where you want to really have a lockdown because this is this is tough. This is this certainly hinders the Browns' chances, no doubt, and look, we're going to have the playoffs and everybody says, well, they should post you can't postpone it can't have the survivor of that game. You know, you can't have this game move to, well, I don't know if even the time frame would help, but you can't do like in the regular season and say, well, you know, let's move it to Tuesday, give them, you know, instead of playing on Sunday, give them another, you know, give them Sunday, give them Monday, give them Tuesday and then play Tuesday. You can't do that. You can't take the winner of that game and put them in a game next Sunday. Can't do it. You can't move the whole schedule. Now I would think that if there was a massive breakout where you know four of the six games were were tainted with this, that maybe they'd have to look at moving everything back the entire schedule a week. But that's just that is really cumbersome, and in in checking. In it, talking to folks in the league, that basically money's not an issue. There is a protocol that has worked for the most part all year. And the league stance is not to blame somebody for testing positive, but as an organization, these are the protocols that you must have, that you must follow. And if you don't do it, You know, we're not going to move a game back or we saw Denver play without a quarterback one week. You got to take care of business. Um, So the first thing that comes to mind is that already, before we get started, playoffs are going to be affected a little bit. And and we certainly, we saw last week with the Saints, Alvin Kamara is out. He can't practice all week. So we'll see how much, if at all, he plays on Sunday against the Bears. Um, It's the factor. But we're getting through it. Now, the word came out is, by the way, we got through the playoffs. I want to get into the football part of it. But I want to address something off the top that certainly happened on Tuesday. The big news that came out about, quote-unquote, the playoff committee group discussing some contingency plans of having to maybe move the national championship game back on Monday. Now, I don't know exactly where to go with this because there is no indication and has not been any indication from anybody that this game is not on schedule. There is to my knowledge from Ohio State saying there is not a breakout. There's some, maybe some issues. They're dealing with a lot of problems we, in, in Ohio. We saw that. I just mentioned it with Kevin Safansky and in the Browns. So there's some places where, and I, apparently it's a bigger hotbed in, in, in uh, Ohio I lived there when I worked for the Browns. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's a, if it's a worse problem than others, it sounds like it is. But I don't get any indication that's this in any way a threat to be moved because there's no reason for it. Now, there are protocols for it. The You have to have a certain amount of eligible players at certain positions, and then the team can, when they're under that, can opt out of playing it and postponing it. They certainly you have to have a contingency plan in this world of covid you better have had a contingency plan for last week's semifinals and this week's uh, championship game you you just it's just common sense you have to have um you know the the thing is you've got to look at it from the standpoint of from a preparation view, you have to have all avenues covered, all contingency plans covered. I'm wondering if that's all it was and somehow it was leaked out and maybe slanted towards Ohio State is thinking he's got some problems. They're trying to get the game pushed back. And, you know, so is it that? Or is it just the normal protocol of preparing in a COVID year for contingency plans? What is interesting to me is how this story was obviously leaked out. It was a story that I think a lot of people have covered, but it came out in, in an Alabama media source and in, in, in a, almost in a way, it's projected as this Ohio state's problem, potentially Ohio state's trying to do this, trying to get an advantage, you know, got Justin Fields hurt, give him more time. They might be angling towards that. It was it, to me, I took it like this was purposely being leaked to the media so that they could put it out there to basically almost shame Ohio state into playing by hook by crook on Monday and not that they were ever not considering playing, but now, and I don't know if I'm right on that. I'm, I'm just, you know, it it just seems suspicious to me that it leaked out and it leaked out that way. I I don't know. I mean, there may be some validity to it. And for all I know, there may be an outbreak and there may be absolutely a reason why Ohio state's got to, to, we got to look at this. But I think what is being done is they're, kind of shaming them a little bit in that can you imagine now if it turns out that something happens the latter part of this week, this weekend, that there is an outbreak, there is a problem. Um, you know, the pressure to keep that game going or be faced with the scrutiny of you're just trying to get out of this game right now and getting it pushed back. That, to me, I think that was the motive for the leaking of the information. Um, look, the reporting is the reporting. It's their meeting. They're looking at contingency plans. But that was an issue anyway. That was something that you have to do anyway because what happens if there is an outbreak outbreak anywhere? Anything that happens, well, you gotta, you gotta. You got to have a plan. Um, but I don't think it's going to be pushed back. But I think it's really interesting, and it's created a sidebar um, uh, to that. So, anyway, I want to get into um, the Heisman real quick. Devontae Smith, the winner, very deserving winner, in my mind, was the most consistently outstanding player in college football this year. I hear different things and it's maybe the ambiguous way that the Heisman puts forth the criteria for the award, but the criteria should be. And in my mind is who it was the most outstanding player in college football that season. And you got to take in the entire season. Um, now remember, and I don't know how many people brought that out. The votes were in before the semifinal playoff game. So, and I know people are, have said things like, "Well, man, Trevor Lawrence can't believe he finished second. He didn't play well last week." Well, that's the voting was done before that game. Um, so that's an issue. And remember, the Heisman is normally voted right after the conference championship weekend. So you don't have the benefit of any bowl games and playoffs in a normal year. And and this year we've had a little bit more because you've had at least the conference championship games to factor into it with the voting being pushed back a little bit in the announcement yesterday. So I think Devante, um, is deserving. People will look at it and, look at different options and well, there's a lot, you know, people will say things like Mac Jones is great, but he's got all that weapons around him. And Devontae certainly one of them, he was, he was the difference making guy. There's no doubt about it. It was intriguing. And we talked about it on the film room show last night that, you know, you're, you're number two, Jalen Waddle and you take off, and you win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, that is insanely um, incredible. So in addition to all the other great accomplishments of my Nick Saban, um, Alabama had zero, as in less than one Heisman Trophy winners pre-Nick Saban. Now has three. Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, and now Devontae Smith. So... um, and certainly getting, you know, quarterback play, that's warrant of consideration. So you're you're seeing it in one of the, I think one of the reasons, and think about that, Alabama's had a lot of great players over their history. I mean, Joe Namath, Kenny Stabler, none of them won the Heisman. In fact, Bear Bryant has only coached one Heisman Trophy winner in his career as a head coach, and it wasn't at Alabama. It was John David Crow in nineteen fifty-seven at Texas AM. Speaking of John David Crow, he's um from Springfield, Louisiana. Went to Springfield High School. Um, Devante's Springfield High School in Louisiana. Devontae Smith is from Louisiana. And that's the only two Louisiana born players to win the Heisman Trophy. Um, I tweeted that out. You can follow me on Twitter at Landry football, uh, Billy Cannon, the great Billy Cannon, of course, grew up in Baton Rouge, went to Estruma high school, was born in Philadelphia, Mississippi, moved to Baton Rouge with his family as a child. So he wasn't born in Louisiana, was raised there. Um, I had, after I tweeted it out, I think it went on Facebook and Twitter, um, my high school coach sent me back. He says, well, what about Doc Blanchard? Where, where it was Because Doc Blanchard went to school at St. Slantislaus high school in, in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, which is right on the Louisiana border. But Doc Blanchard was born in South Carolina, went to high school in Mississippi. Doc Blanchard, of course, won the 47, uh, 47 high Heisman Trophy. Doc Blanchard at, at Army at West Point, but Doc Blanchard actually went to the University of North Carolina, which was a power back then, and then transferred into the Army, played at West Point, won the Heisman Trophy there. First Heisman Trophy winner uh, at Army. Um, so, yeah, so and of course, Joe Burrow won it at LSU last year. Yeah, it was an LSU player, but Joe Barr obviously is from Ohio. So uh, congrats to Devontae Smith. I uh, want to get into some other things, but I want to answer some questions. Gosh, I really appreciate Rich Coates and Bernsey and Spartan Barton all there. So Rich says, um, <clears throat> Rich Coates says, hey, Chris, you mentioned yesterday with McCready on the SEC show about Dan Mullen interviewing with Oregon before the job went to Tagger, Did he try to get interviews at other places while Mississippi State? Why is he interested in some of the NFL openings? Um yeah, I'm trying to think his name came up for a number of jobs, Rich. I don't know if he officially interviewed, I'd have to, I'd have to think about, did he officially interview? Uh, I don't, I don't know of, uh, he did try to, to get, um, in on a few jobs while he was at Mississippi state. Um, I don't think, in fact, I don't think any, you know, I talked about it at the time, but nobody reported it. Um, It was a very quiet interview that did not get any media play. uh, The, 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 uh, the interview with Oregon, Um, it was pretty quick one, but yeah, there was some others. I don't know if it was official interviews or not. Why is he interested in some of the NFL openings? Very, very simple. Um, A lot of coaches do this. And a lot of them, well, I think all of them have egos to some degree. Dan has had a bad year PR wise. Okay. I mean, he's, he's just, and, and look on the field, they finished poorly. No doubt about that. He's getting a lot of criticism. I mean, I think a lot of the Florida fans are still back and I mean, and they should. My feeling on Dan is this. I think Dan is an outstanding offensive play designer, play caller. I think he has some growing up to do as a head coach. There's different dynamics to that, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The answer is, you know, most people say, ah, he's only going to be that. He'll never No, You can be better. I I will tell you Nick Saban of of the things that Nick's and I use, and I talk about Nick a lot because he's the gold standard and I have a, you know, 30 year background with him, Nick Saban who is a great recruiter and is great at, in his staff of identifying the right type of players was not a good evaluator. When we worked together with the Browns, we went on many scouting trips and my God, he didn't like anybody. No one could put, cause he would always look critically at this guy. Don't doesn't do this. This guy doesn't do that. And those are all true. But if you look at every player, everybody has faults. Okay. Everybody that you evaluate has some things they don't do as well. What you have to do is see what are the innate skills and the ability to nurture that and get better. That is the key. And he didn't, I'm going to tell you, I mean, he had a reputation back when he was with the Orleans. he didn't like anybody. And I mean, I, we went and over and I, you know, go chapter and verse about guys that he just, you know, the old saying, he, he passed on just about everybody. Well, you gotta, you gotta, he learned that. My point is he understood that he learned that. And so when people think Belichick and Saban, two guys that I think are the best that there was in the NFL in college ever in this sport, they both. By talks about they're stubborn. No, they're stubborn on things they need to be stubborn on. They are always looking at ways to do things better and to learn and grow. You think Nick Saban likes throwing and doing all this in modern day football? Hell no. He has learned and adjusted to that. And he learned about evaluating with Dan. Dan can be a great head coach. And I think he's doing a good job. But I think when you look at the loose ends, that needs to be tied up. When I bring that out, it is not to be critical of Dan, who I like. I like a lot. I think it's just, you know, my effort, like I do with players, is this is, you know, as as a player and a coach, how you get better. And I think Dan's got a personality that's quirky, which is okay, because they're quirky guys that are successful too. The big thing is. Dan's lack of accountability, not admitting that he's wrong, not admitting that you can't admit that you lost, can't admit that you made mistakes. You know, it's the bravado that, you know, maybe you need to own up to it, but certainly even if you're not owning up to it publicly, you got to own up to it behind the scenes because when you do that, you know, you're basically embracing the fact that we, we've got to do these things better. And if you don't do these things better, you, you don't grow. And so why am I going to all this with Dan with a simple question? Why, does he, why is he interviewing? This is Dan's answer to, you're going to criticize me, everybody out there? Look, you're going to see, this team wants to interview me. That team wants, the NFL likes me. You see, you see you knuckleheads out there. It's what he's, you know, he's basically... That's what he wants. I'll show you. You you kind of you're going to get mad. I'm going to do. look a lot of guys have done that. That's the reality. The interest that Dan has in coaching in the league is more about interest in interviewing and letting people know about it. He ask the jets for an interview. I don't know if the jets have granted him one yet. I think they will. I think they'll give him a zoom interview. I don't think they're going to have a face-to-face meeting with him. I don't know. Not that people don't respect what he does, but when you start to hear things about, well, he's done this with this quarterback and that, and you do that in the league, there's some things that he needs to round off the rough edges to, I think do very well. He, for example, I mean, are you kidding me? Losing out to Willie Taggart? There is no Dan Mullen is so far a superior coach. It's not even funny, but as you can imagine by watching him on in interviews, he's an awful job interviewer. I mean, I keep the Oregon folks just, you know, and, and sometimes you got to get through that. Well, he didn't really have to interview at Florida. He, he people at Florida knew him. They knew his quirks, but they knew what he could do. And obviously he had to go at Mississippi State and do it on the field and get a lot out of that program to kind of get his job at Florida. So he worked around that interview. The problem he's going to have is in an interview. And and I don't think that's going to work, but it's not that Dan's not capable. And I think it's always key to work on things that you need to get better with. And I think Dan needs to get better as a head coach candidate. Um, uh, Let's see here. Um, Why is there so much love for Patriot scouts in regards to GM positions when Belichick clearly picks the players? Well, it's a good question. Um, Belichick picks the players. And this is the same thing, the same thing that people make the mistake when they hire one of his coaches. And some of the guys that have worked for him have been successful. Some have not. It's the same issue. They are trying to tap into some of what Bill is. I mean, don't you think that's what Texas is trying to do, to tap into Nick Saban by hiring Sark? And, you know, Sark's had some experience. Whether it working or not, I don't know. But the, the point is that they're trying to tap into that. What they miss, and what a lot of people miss, is, when you work with Belichick, when you work with Saban, it's like having a, a a a pathway it's like being in the room where y- the answers are there for you it's kind of a multiple choice it's or true false I mean it's 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 a you do a lot of work and you learn a lot, but remember it's just like the playbook be it a literal playbook or how you run a program or how you run a scouting department, you can take the manual, you can take the philosophies that you've learned. But football, from a scouting, from a coaching standpoint, everything, nutrition, everything is constantly evolving. So you may learn from someone, Belichick, Saban, whomever, Frank Broyles in the day, who probably put more head coaches on his staff than anybody. It's it's not what you learn. What you learn is important, but what happens when you get the job and as things evolve, you have to evolve with it. If you haven't learned how to think it through and how to work the problem, it's kind of like a math problem. If you can have somebody show you yeah how do you do that uh, oh 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 yeah I see that um uh oh oh yeah yeah oh, oh okay yeah it's it's 28 I I got it yeah 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 well, go ahead and do it yourself um and what what what's that step I forgot step 3 again you know it's one thing when you're kind of around the answers and you're a part of it but when you go away you have to think it through Look, I, I made a tough decision when I left Belichick, you know, I had an opportunity to maybe to be there a long time, but one of the things that I wanted, and I was young and I wanted to kind of, and I had had a lot of coaching and scouting experience before joining Belichick, but I learned a lot of things from him. But the biggest thing I learned was how to think. Another analogy is, you know, what's the saying? you can, give somebody fish and feed them for a day or teach them how to fish and feed them for a lifetime. I think a lot of times what happens is these people are very in tune with how Bill wants it. And they, they do that. They're the laborers. They not every labor can be a foreman. And, you know, just because you know how to do certain things, their leadership things and their growth things and their ability to have to learn how to modify and do things. Look, pure and simple. Some people are not as smart as the others. Some people again are fortified by people that know a lot more and it's it's kind of an easy path, but when they go out on their own, they have to think it through and it's it's not as easy. So, but people doing the hiring are always trying to tap into it. He's got that, and those people sell him on. Well, this is what we did when we were in New England. This is what we did when we were at Alabama, and this is what I'm going to do here. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's you didn't do it. You you were part of it, and you were uh, instructed to do A, B, C, D. But now, when you get on your own, that's fine if it's a static game. But it's not. You know, football is an evolving game. And when you have to evolve and learn and grow, you can't go down the hall and figure out how we're going to do this now. You know, because the way it works with Bill and and Nick is, you know, this is how we're going to do it, guys. Here's what we're going to adjust. This is what we're going to do differently here or there. And this is your roles. Everybody does their role and do a good job with it. But there's one guy saying, this is the modifications we're going to make. And then when you go and run it, do you have the ability as a leader? You may have the ability to follow orders, but now, do you have the ability to say, "This is how we're going to do it"? Now, anyway, um, do you think Felipe Franks will get drafted late, if at all? Uh, Spartan Martin, it would be Ohio State teenager, postponed the next Only two weeks to prepare for everything. <laughs> oh, that's funny, uh, but I know you jest. Spartan Martin says Kyle Trask is the only other player that could have been deserving for the Heisman, given the old line he had. Yeah, I think Kyle didn't play well down the stretch the LSU game killed him. I mentioned that last night. Um, I thought he played well, but you can't look at his entire, you look, the bowl game's one thing, you know, there's, um, I, 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 you know, I don't know. Listen, I, at a certain point, I think he was right there. Maybe the favorite, but I don't think if you look at the entire season, Walmart. I don't think he was deserving towards the end. Um, Smith taking over after Otto Andrews by far the most outstanding, though. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, let's see here. The bowl game showed complete dominance by low-level SEC teams. It's, it did good. Uh, do you feel Jamar Chase not playing this year? Will it affect his rookie production next season? Meaning it'll take longer to get back in the football condition. No, I don't think that. I just think you've got less um, you know, you are not uh I mean he he obviously decided to um forego the season and not playing, I think, always hurt your development to some degree, but I think in the end he'll be fine. Um does Dan Mullen hate recruiting? I don't know anybody that likes recruiting in the coaching profession. I, I don't think Dan. Um, I think Dan has a greater dislike for it. I think, I think that's, <laughs> I think that is true. I think there's some coaches that like it. Some coaches that, um, some coaches like it more than others. I I mean, let me rephrase that. I don't think anybody truly likes it. I think some deal with it better. I, I don't think, I don't think that's, that's something Dan's thrilled about. WoodChat King, thanks for sharing us a reminder that you can do that as well. Cheer us on, sign us. If you haven't joined us live on Twitch TV, you can catch this show live. And as the guys like to say, you're missing out on some of the best part of it, the interactive part. Go to twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. Subscribe to the show. It's free. Subscribe to the show and then share us on a few bits as Woodshed King has done. We really appreciate that. Patriots not going to the playoffs, but Tampa Bay making it to the playoffs. Should that be taken with a grain of salt this season or is a sign of Brady will be more successful after the split? Well, Brady, Look, I mean, I know we think Brady is going to play forever. Kind of looks like he is. I, I think he's going to definitely play next year. I, I think it's a year-to-year situation. Um, look, I don't – it's tough to f- – to find a quarterback. Here's what it here's what it comes down to me is the Patriots did not have a quarterback. They go from a guy that was great, a, you know, maybe the best ever. I think the best ever. I don't think he's playing like the best ever now, but he's still very, very good. And the Patriots, you know, right there with Buffalo competing for the division if Brady's there. So he makes a huge difference. But it's not just that you don't have Brady, but the drop off from Brady to the quarterback play they had this year was Precipitous. I mean, it just so huge. I mean, think about it. If you had not Tom Brady, but you had a good quarterback, good quarterback play, you know, that are better. Um, look, everybody will say that, and, and I'm not I'm no different. The bottom line is this, it does come down to players. Okay, but coaching has a tremendous impact on player development. First of all, you got to get the players. So whether you're recruiting them, whether you're drafting them, the right ones, whether you're signing the right ones, where you're allocating the right type of funds in a salary cap environment to the right guys matters greatly. So you've got to get the right ones. You've got to acquire them. That's really important because the players are so important, Right. But then you've got to develop those players and you got to utilize those players. I've seen a lot of talented teams that are undercoached and then are not very successful. They underachieve. Um but I've seen some really good coaches not do very well without good players. So what's the answer? No one likes the answer because it doesn't fit the ballroom argument, right? You better have both. You better have both. If you're like a seesaw, and you got, you know, you're really great at one and not at the other. It, it ain't it ain't going to flow right. If you've got, you you may have talents here, coaching there, you know, but, but you have to have enough of a balance there. You have to seesaw it to where it can have enough balance. Because if you're missing one of the others, you, you're not going to survive. Will Dan Mullen's scheme work in the NFL? Dan Mullen doesn't have a scheme. That's what's good about Dan. Dan modifies his scheme well to the personnel. He can run with his quarterback. He can throw it. He's a great play designer. That's the best, the, the biggest misconception. Great coaches don't have schemes. Great coaches can scheme, meaning you can adjust. The a scheme does not win because schemes are ever evolving. They're like the water in the river. They're constantly flowing. Dan has the ability to do that. So, uh, that whole, you know, the, the scheme, he's not going to run that scheme. He's going to run a scheme that will work in the NFL. Now, one of the reasons why he would be successful is if he's w- willing to do it in the NFL, I'm talking about is if he was Uh, with someone that could, you know, obviously handle personnel and just allow Dan to do his part. The problem is when you're a head coach, whether you're a great offensive play designer or not, the one thing you have to have is leadership. And some of the issues, the lack of accountability issues, that, can be a problem in college. It's a disaster in the NFL. If you take that approach, if you take those type of comments that you make at the in Florida, see, he's, he's going to have to learn and grow. He said some of those things at Mississippi State, but they were thrilled to have him. And with all due respect, not a whole lot of attention is going to Starkville, Mississippi. At Florida, people are paying a lot of attention. You go to the New York Jets, you go to Philadelphia, you go to Jacksonville, you go to anybody in the NFL, and you start making comments like that, you would and that that you would lose the team's respect there. So again, the things that he's got to improve upon, he can do. It's it he can do it. It's within his power and reach to do it. It's just whether he will. Oklahoma got away with a few pick plays in the bowl game. Our ref's going to be more lenient on the line pick plays because of the increase in popularity. We see the major crackdown. Well, um, there is a clear definition of a pick in a screen. Uh, there wasn't as much of that as you think. A lot of that was legal, but they're for the most part are pretty lenient unless you're obvious. I mean, if you avoid the contact, you, you know, you can, you can, there's a way to run a screen, a pick, a legal one. And then there are ways that you go over. It. It's just like holding or anything else. The things you can do, uh, there are things you can do in pass coverage, um, with, with certain touching versus what's allowed and what's not. I think sometimes that is get, you know, um, missed what, Probably the most egregious thing is blocking downfield. That's a lot in college. That's why people, that's why the whole game has gone offensive. In essence, the blocking downfield is illegal in the NFL. They'll call it in the NFL. They don't call it nearly as much in college. So basically, so you understand what I'm talking about is the RPO, the run pass option. Okay. The option to run or pass. Well, basically linemen are blocking for the run downfield and it's passed. Well, it is not called nearly as much in college, uh, with Clark Lee and Barton Simmons going to event. What do you think there'll be an emphasis on? Why do you think there'll be an emphasis on football? Will Vanderbilt be competitive? Um, I I don't think there is going to be an emphasis on football. Um, I don't know. Barton Simmons is not a football guy. I think he worked for a website, of some sort. Um, he was a high school teammate. Uh, I, I prefer guys with football backgrounds. I don't think there's going to be an emphasis on football at Vanderbilt. It never has been. And, I I like Clark. He took the job because of, um, it's his school, but I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it is. Um, Cam Newton still has a standing record for most consecutive games with one TD or less in a game. Okay. Yep. Who are the Patriots looking for quarterback? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a number of different options. Where can you see Ian book at the next level? I don't think Ian book is a really good pro prospect, to be honest with you. I think he's got, um, he's not a good enough passer, but I think he'll be in a camp somewhere. All right. Um, I been involved, in a lot of coaching search work. You can check out a lot of that. Going to give an update over in the coaching search notebook, um, over at LandryFootball.com. Um, the Texans, I think, have got their general manager. I'll tell you who they've interviewed um, and where I think they may be headed coaching-wise. Um, Denver, the GM situation, go into that. Um, some of the folks that Atlanta has looked at, both on the GM and head coaching side, same with Detroit. Jacksonville as well. we'll talk a little bit about that. The Jets the charges. We got a lot of that for you in a lot of details. We'll be updating it more and more lots. Um, just so much to get to take forever. Um, a couple of things, um, guys that are getting a lot of play, uh, Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator in no particular order. Um, Brian Dayball is getting some play, the offense coordinator, the bills, um, Matt Huberflus, the defensive coordinator with Indianapolis. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Um, you'll see Arthur Smith get some interviews uh, as well. The offensive coordinator, of course, Robert Sala, uh, definitely getting a ton of um, of interviews as well. Um, you know, those are those are some some. Um, some key things to look, but there's, there's a whole lot going on there. We encourage you to check that out. Uh, uh, we've got an update on what's going on in the Alabama, um, offensive coordinator situation, as well as what Texas is doing. Um, and how that may affect Alabama, because I don't know, it's not going to just be Steve Sarkeesian that's leaving Alabama to go to Texas. There'll be some other staff members. So we kind of go into some of the details there and some names to look, Two. I think it'll be interesting to see what Kyle Flood does. Kyle Flood is the outstanding offensive line coach for Alabama. Um, he'll have an opportunity to go to Texas if he wants to or stay at Alabama. Um, at Texas, he would be would handle the run game. Um, it's, it's just a matter of, of, of kind of where he, he certainly, being a former head coach, wants to get back. It's just a matter of his path of where he wants to go at this point. Got some updates. Uh, Illinois has put together a number of folks on their staff. Uh, update on the LSU situation. Um, there's some news that um, is out there that's accurate. Some that is not so accurate. Um, so we've got a lot of stuff there. So check it out at LandryFootball.com. A uh, couple of things else on LandryFootball.com. We want to. Encourage you to check out and we appreciate all the questions and comments. If you got any more, run them in before we end up. Um, the um, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, what, where was I going to go? Uh, the other things I want to mention about landryfootball.com is working on right now, um, a team by team, all six teams in the NFL playoffs. This week, um, <clears throat> a little bit of a brief synopsis of kind of how the team's kind of graded out, but complete player grades. Every player on the team, offensively, defensively, special teams, who's graded out and what tiers. Um, so that, that is going to be useful and handy as you go into the playoffs. So you get to see individually how players have graded out, which is really important. So if players are not available, you know, kind of how they've played and the importance to their success or lack thereof this year. So we've got that, as well as we're going to have the typical film room breakdowns of the games where we will um, break down, kind of tell you how we think the game may play out. We're going to do the same thing for the national championship game on Monday. So it's going to be a busy week over there. So check that out. Um, get into the playoffs. I want to talk a little bit about the semifinals last week. Briefly, as we're uh, running... Short of time. Um, The Notre Dame situation against Alabama, I I personally, and listen, I get it. People don't look at it objectively, and they look at it um, from a standpoint of, you know, how they view it or want to see it. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Notre Dame has resources, but Notre Dame has a lot of restrictions. I think that people have a different view in that. I think due to Notre Dame's name, there's an expectation that they should compete better with Alabama or Clemson when the reality is Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state are some elite level programs that quite frankly, no one in that fourth spot would have fared any better Not Annam, not Cincinnati, not anybody. I mean, I think Oklahoma is playing better and probably could have in some ways challenged, um, Oklahoma better in some areas, but I don't know that it would have been appreciably different. So the bottom line is, you know, Notre Dame is kind of right there with everybody else. That's not those elites does not mean that they can't get better. It does not mean that they're not going to challenge themselves to get better. They need more explosive playmakers at receiver they need, more, they need more consistent, better quarterback play, and that's something that Brian's got to address. But the criticism is amazing to me because I, there's nobody, in my opinion, that would do a better job. Urban Meyer wouldn't take the Notre Dame job, and that was his dream job. He took the Florida job over Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame was his dream job because when – Urban was an assistant at Notre Dame with Lou Holtz and Skip Holtz. They had all sorts of exceptions. They could get the Jerome Bettises and the Tony Rices in there. You can't do that and couldn't do it before. And you can't do it since they don't allow that. So, I mean, Nick Saban wouldn't take that job. In fact, Nick Saban was approached a number of years back when he was still at LSU, you know, before he went to the NFL about the Notre Dame job. It wasn't a job that interested him because of that. And that's why Urban Meyer, quote unquote, it's not Urban Meyer having the restrictions with Brian Kelly would not do it, would not take the job. And, and would, if he had to do it, like Brian did it, he would have a ceiling as well. Might he do it a little bit better in some areas. He might, the reality is. Wouldn't survive at Notre Dame doing, I mean, it would be a short stint because he wouldn't take it to begin with. That's the whole point. If you hear that Urban Meyer is going to Notre Dame and be a head coach, that means Notre Dame is opening things up and doing things differently. And I, I think, I think Brian Kelly, if you put him at a USC, put him at a Florida, or something. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I think Florida's got a really good coach. USC, you put him at a USC. Or other places where you can recruit a, <laughs> any number of players? I, I think he do a really good job. I, I don't know that he'd be the very best, but he could get more out of those type of programs than he could Notre Dame because of the limitations. So I, I, I think that they have progressed, and I think it's just easy to criticize Notre Dame. I want to talk a little bit about Ohio State and their big win over Clemson surprised yeah no that's the ohio state team that in the off season that last year at this time the the, the summer when i didn't know if we were going to play football but hopeful that we would and play a full season i thought ohio state had national championship capabilities in fact i i thought maybe they might have been the favorite um i thought mac jones would be good at alabama not as good as he has been um so, but I felt all along that Ohio State hasn't been able to develop their team, um, because of the limited schedule. We saw them just absolutely blossom against Clemson. People say, "Oh, they're fresh." I, I think they put it all together, and I think they played with an edge. I also think it was not a good job done by coaching wise by Clemson. And this is not a dominant Clemson team. Their defensive line's good, but they don't have the war daddies that can go and, you know, attack and get it done to the level that some of them in the past have. Um, they've got some guys in the secondary that are good, but not as good as the ones that have been there in the past. The offensive line played very well, but have not been as good as some of that they've had in the past. They don't have the, the bird dog receivers, the go and catch 50-50 balls consistently, not quite as good as the ones they've had in the past. Trevor Lawrence covered up some of that. Still good, still deserving of being in the playoffs, of course, in one of the top two, three teams in the country, but they're not quite as good as Clemson has been in some of their other games. That's, hey, you always have that. Some teams are a little bit better than others. What, um, What I saw was an Ohio State team that's a little bit more gifted right now this year's team, a little bit more going for it, that put it together. That, what surprised me was that they exploded and put it all together at once and that Clemson was slow to adjust. Clemson had a big loss without Tony Elliott because their inability to adjust in games was hit them and hit them hard. Not everybody, everybody says, well, everybody scripts their first 20. Not really. Everybody has an idea what they'd like to run the first couple of series, but you completely go off script. If things, those are all based on certain conditions that you anticipate seeing defensive, let's just talk offense now. And you saw Clemson have early success, right? Ohio State made adjustments. Again, make to the untrained eye, you might now be able to see some of the adjustments. We talk about it in our film breakdowns and we talk about it. Um uh, you know, we tweet it out at times during games. The inability to be able to adjust, you know, play calling is an art. Play design is a science. And you may have a the playbook, but being able to modify and adjust based upon what the opposition is doing defensively, they didn't do a very good job. And that's where the offense lost their pace, their momentum, and they had some success, but they were always a little bit late, always a little bit behind. And defensively, as good as Brent Venables has been, boy, he didn't do a good job. He didn't get his guys lined up very quickly enough, and he had his safeties biting up hard against the run. I thought it was a great coaching job by Ohio State. They out the Clemson staff. There's no question. Now, what does it mean for this week? Um, we'll talk a little bit more in the Landry football podcast tomorrow. Uh, kind of a maybe a little bit more of an in-depth preview of the game. But <clears throat> I think the difference is Alabama's better than Clemson offensively. It's not that the quarterback's better than Trevor Lawrence is not. But he's really good. They've got more weapons that can beat you. And they have better coaching. They have a much better offensive line than Clemson did. I'm just comparing the two. And then defensively, they're very well coached, Alabama is. They will be able to make adjustments. So the key is certainly for Ohio State is the health and the play of Justin Fields. Justin Fields was was phenomenal. I don't want to make it uh, certainly the opposite. I don't want to make it seem like that Ohio State – Just out-coached them. Justin Fields was the difference in the game. Justin Fields lit everybody up. I mean, he made throws that I've seen him make, but haven't made for a while. So a lot of questions answered. Now the question is, can you do it again? Are you healthy enough to do it again? Can you do it again for the second week in a row? I think that they can. They can perform close to that but the results may not be quite the same because you're dealing with a better Alabama team and a better coached Alabama team. And that ultimately could be the difference. So some of my thoughts on the semifinals and the national championship game. want to make a point too, because there's a lot of talk and I'm, I'm good with it either way, expand the playoffs, less teams, more teams, whatever. I'm good with it anyway. I enjoy the NFL college. It's like having two kids. You don't, Love one more than the other. They're different, but you love them. Um, NFL regular season games are important. Got a lot of teams make the playoffs. Week 17 in the NFL was a whole lot of fun, and it usually is. The, The last week of the regular season, it is like a playoffs, but it is different in that in the playoffs you watch in that game. Winner advances, loser goes home. Whereas you're watching multiple games at different time slots and the Dolphins lose to Buffalo. They got a hope. And then, you know, the Colts can, can the Colts lose? Can the Browns lose? Can, you know, and it, and you're seeing these teams, you're seeing the Texans play hard against Tennessee. See that really good matchup. Uh, you see, um, you know, the Colts, you know, got a chance day. Dolphins lost. We win. We're in. You got the browns you know when we're in and you you're looking at games that are playoffs it was definitely disappointing watching the eagles and the giants uh, that was a dud of a game and it's unfortunate for a viewing public it was that wasn't uh, really good and didn't sit well with people but last week at the NFL's fun and this is the first time we've never had this many teams in the playoffs um we've got triple header saturday triple header sunday and then national championship game on Monday. If you think about it, from the quality combined with quantity standpoint, it might be the best weekend of the year in football if you like both sports. If you're, you know, if you look at the best college weekend, that's different. You look at maybe the best quality in the NFL, it's probably the second week where you get the teams that advance and then you get the two top seeds which used to be the top two seeds in each conference. And now it's just the top one seed in each conference next week. It'll be a doubleheader Saturday, doubleheader Sunday, and the top teams will play. So I'm not saying it's necessarily the best quality, but when you look at just from our viewing standpoint of watching three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, and then the national championship game on Monday, it's a pretty good three day window, a pretty good weekend, a long weekend. We'll see how many of these games are going to be close. Um, I've got my eye out on the Rams in Seattle, which I think it will be a close game. I am excited about Baltimore, Tennessee, the potential of that being a knockdown, dragout, close game. Um, but we'll see if some of the other games can bring some intrigue, bring some moments, some surprises, as they always seem to do. We'll see if the Colts can do any damage against Buffalo. Will Buffalo have some pressure early? Um, Don't see Washington doing much against Tampa, but you know, we have seen teams with bad records, losing records, the Panthers, no, the Panthers and the Seahawks are the two teams that have won divisions with sub 500 records. Do you realize that both of them won their first playoff game as a division champion with a below 500 record? So it's happened twice. And the team that nobody gives a chance to is two and So not going to be dumb enough to say I think Washington's going to beat Tampa because I don't see it, but I didn't see the others either. So we'll see what happens there. Can the Bears do anything against the Saints? And can the Brownies do anything shorthanded against the Steelers? So got a lot to react to and a lot to talk to. We're going to break it down to you all at LandryFootball.com, all the film room breakdowns. We're going to preview the games, review it. We're going to get back into getting our notebooks up, for you a lot's going on got coaching search notebooks a lot going on lot to cover for you there take advantage of our holiday savings offer um, it um, it's the best offer it's look it's less than ten dollars a month um, and it's cheaper than that. If you take advantage of the year membership, which is the holiday savings, a couple of quick questions out the door. What was your scouting evaluation of Chad Pennington out of Marshall? Very smart, limited arm strength, solid starter for a while. Um, but that's kind of how he played it out. How much do you think Alvin Kamara can contribute any without being able to practice? I don't know, to be honest with you, I think he can help. The good thing about that is that how Sean Payton utilizes guys who have a really good game plan. I, I don't want to say this the wrong way. I don't know how much, I don't know that they need the full onslaught of Alvin Kamara to beat the Bears, but I think certainly they'll have the package. And I think the flow of the game is going to dictate how much they use him. I think he can play and be effective. um, No question about it, but how much they focus around him That's the great thing. We talk about a great play designer and a great play caller. There's not bet, not anybody better than Sean Payton in all of football, uh, was Notre Dame's defense good at holding Bama to such few points or bet did Bama, no Bama shortened the game. And I hear this all the time, Bama took the foot off the pedal. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Think about this. When you got a big lead, run the football and eat clock, shorten the game. You don't get style points where, ah, you could have scored 50. Who gives a bleep? if You could score 50, but then you could have a tip ball and you could give up a pick six, and all of a sudden, you're in a seven- or ten-point game that you had no business being in. So, no, absolutely Alabama compressed the game. That's why Alabama is really good. And to me, in the day and age of these offenses, it is great to score points with some pace and with the passing game, but you win with the running game because you can close out games. That's the thing about when we hear, we used to, I know the big 12 gets frustrated because, you know, it's all the big 12 effect and, and we seeing it in the sec and other places, but keep in mind when you're constantly up tempo and you can only do two minutes and score a bunch of points. The reason why these teams are in shootouts is because they can't close out games. They can't line up, run power and run a four minute offense. And they say, well, the defenses are crap. Well, your defense is gonna be crap. They're on the field for 85, 90 plays a game. And they're they're on the they get off the field. They're barely can sit down, get any oxygen, any hydration, and they got to go back in again because their offense is up and down the field, because the other defense is not worth a crap. That's the whole point. The game is is like basketball. It's up and down. I mean, it's like he, they don't even make it to the bench. They got to come back in. That's the point. That's why the the elite teams can run two minute offense, run pace, but then throttle it down. See, if Alabama would have lined up and, you know, try to throw it all the pace within now, all of a sudden their defense is getting worn out because Notre Dame will try to keep the ball and run the ball. Well, if you're Alabama, you want to keep your defense off the field rested and you do that by running the football. So the ability to be able to do multiple things is the key. Um, Usher will likely win if they play like they did against Clemson. I don't know about that. I, I think it's going to be tough for them to pull off. I think it, if Alabama plays their best game, Alabama's best game beats Ohio State's best game. If Alabama's off the mark a little bit and, and Ohio State plays like they did, yes, they can absolutely. Ohio State can win this game, but they'll need a little help from Alabama. How do you think the Oklahoma team would have done in the expanded playoffs? I think – Um. They could have competed with Clemson. I don't, I don't think they would have fared. They would have fared a little better than, than, uh, they would have fared better than Notre Dame from a style matchup. But even, um, remember that, that Oklahoma defense is improved as it was, would have got torched by Alabama's offense. And, you know, it would have been a little bit better than Oklahoma's performances in previous playoffs. But would the scoring margin be any different than 31-17? Probably not. Probably would have been more points by Oklahoma, but Oklahoma would have given up more points than Notre Dame did because Notre Dame plays more ball control. They shorten the game. So I think if, if you just said, I'm going to put A&M in the fourth slot, what would they do? They would have lost to Alabama by the same margin or more. If Oklahoma had been in that fourth spot, they would have lost to Alabama. They would have scored more points and given up more points than Notre Dame, but the the margin would have been, Hey, great, great comments, questions, Spartan Barton, Woodshed King, Rich Coats, um, uh, Burnsy Burns, um, always good stuff there. So we appreciate it. Hey, spread the word. If you would, if, if we can't love you guys, want you to, to get in, spread the word to your friends, your football friends of what we're doing here. Um, in the television network and in our podcast network, um, and join us live uh, in the chat room as we talk football. Reminder that we'll be back with um, uh, the Landry, well, back doing the Landry Football podcast tomorrow. Not quite sure. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, expand on some of the things I didn't get to as much today, but certainly we'll take your comments and questions as well. Check out landryfootball.com for all the breakdowns. We appreciate you joining us. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a great one, everybody.